Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies that you are not hearing elsewhere. Don't hesitate to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is July 24th. 2015, and we'd like to offer a special welcome today to any of our listeners from Utah. It is Pioneer Day in Utah, celebrating the arrival of the original first party of pioneers in Utah on July 24th, 1847. So all of our Utah listeners, welcome today on your Pioneer's Day. Very pleased to be talking with Ryan Wright, CEO of Fig Tree Capital Ventures. He talks to us from their headquarters just north of Dallas, Texas. Ryan, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks for having me, Charlie. So, Ryan, first of all, I'd like to... uh, I hope we're not confusing anybody. We've got Ryan Wright with Charlie Wright here, and I'd like to congratulate your parents. They didn't realize it, but they named you after my oldest son. Well, that's great. We have something in common. We do. We do. So uh, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. So, Ryan, uh, tell us here, give us some of your background and a brief history of Fig Tree Capital. Well, my background is finance. Um, That was uh, what I went to school for. Graduated school from Texas State. Got into the oil and gas business right out of school. Um, it was something that interested me. My dad's an engineer, so I think the, the fascination of, of drilling and completing holes um, and setting wells up uh, was what led me to that. Plus, I wanted to get into a business where I could help people manage their finances and, and generate returns and, and help them out. And so that's how it came about. I worked for a very large broker-dealer for many years. That's where I got educated in the business and in 2008 is when myself and my partner took the step to start a new company. And um, so we opened in 2008, and our primary focus was to focus on horizontal development and proven oil and natural gas fields. And we did that because we believe that drilling and producing hydrocarbons with the technology that exists can be a much lower risk uh, endeavor for investors. And, you know, that combined with our aspirations to create product structures that set the bar for investor fairness. That was our goal from day one, to try to create products that would be in line with what we call in the oil industry an industry approach, or it just means wholesale. And that means you're not paying a lot of retail fees and management fees and promotes and things of that nature. So that that was our focus from day one, good products, low-risk areas at the best price possible. And so that's how we got started. And, and today we focus in those same type of developments, primarily North Dakota, um, we also look at developments in the Permian Basin, Eagleford. Those are the primary areas of focus now. 
Okay, so tell us, Ryan, are you into oil exploration? Do you guys do the uh, oil exploration and drilling yourselves? Do you hire contractors? How, how does this? How are you doing it? Well, actually, uh, exploration is not something that we do, and we are not involved in the operating or the actual drilling. We, what we do is we purchase non-operating interest. And we do this in areas, like I mentioned before, North Dakota. You have two types of plays. I mean, you've got your conventional drilling. This is going to be using seismic, seeking out pockets. And I've done that before um, with some of the old company. You, you know, you're talking about Gulf Coast. You're looking for traps and things of that nature. And, and those wells can be very good, but there's also a lot more dry hole risk in doing that. And what you've seen a shift towards over the last 10 years is the shale revolution. And the reason folks like that is because the drilling risk and the actual geological risk is much lower. And so that's what we focus on. And so North Dakota allows us to, uh, because of their forced pooling laws, to go by acreage in active areas. And we target acreage specifically based on who the operator is. So, for example, uh, we can go into an area where we see here's 40-acre tract that's for lease, and we can see who owns the majority of that 1,280-acre drilling unit. It may be a Continental or a Whiting or a Hess. And we look at the, the wells around it, what the reserve potential is, and you can do a lot of uh, homework going in before you purchase a lease to, to have an idea on who's going to drill your well, uh, what kind of reserves are, are there in place. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, and it really becomes more of a, an economic play. What are oil prices? What, what are those wells capable of producing? And what are you paying for your leases? And, and so it just makes it a lot more simple uh, endeavor in terms of um, prospect selection. Hey, Ryan, now you got to excuse me. I, I'm a little confused here and a little lost here, okay? <laughs> uh, the question is, uh, okay, someone invests with you. What do you do with that money? What do you buy, and, 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 and what kind of service do you provide? I, I still haven't quite understood that here. Okay, let me try to clarify. Our service is to um, help them select prospects primarily. Um, so what we, what we excel at is taking leases, um, doing the evaluation in certain areas to determine what's the best area to participate. And like I mentioned before, those are going to be the areas that have what we call high EUR. EUR is estimated ultimate recovery. So as an investor, you want to align yourself with some of the best publicly traded operators in the country. We help them do that. And the, re the way we help them do that is by putting our investors into acreage positions with these top-tier publicly traded operators, but we also take this step further and we do the legwork to determine, is this an area that you want to invest in and at what prices will new wells in this area make sense at and what kind of returns can those generate? So our primary product is called the Drilling and Acquisition Funds. And what these products do is, as an investor, our group of investors come in and they help fund the project. With that money, we go out and we buy non-operating leaseholds aligned with the type of companies that we mentioned and primarily North Dakota right now our primary focus has been McKenzie County and then we've got acreage and done as well and then from there once we've purchased our acreage positions as we get billed for new wells a new well gets billed Continental decides they want to drill a new well and we own acreage in that what's called a drilling unit they send us a bill that's called an AFE our investors get a copy of that. An AFE just means authorization for expenditures. So our investors here are very involved, so they get to see what acreage we're purchasing. When there's a bill from an operator, they get to see that, 
And then as a team, we vote. Do we want to participate in this well? If everybody votes yes, it's a good thing. We like it. The, the numbers make sense. And once that well is, is producing, we get cash flow from that well. But what it does for us further, since our investors actually own the acreage position, this is pretty unique from what I can tell in the industry. Most folks participate in a well or two. Um, our fund, the investors own the acreage, which in, in areas like the North Dakota becomes a very valuable part of the investment because one well now has proved up two square miles of drilling. And so that's another seven locations in the Bakken that now you can assign a value to based on the performance of that well. It also holds that entire acreage position so you don't have to release it. So what our products do is we're creating cash flow. You're creating tax deductions through the development of leasehold, but you're creating a nice asset value through proven reserves. And I think that's what our customers appreciate, that they're really in an industry position. That's what oil and gas companies do. We buy leases, we prove them up, develop them, and then sell them off. And that's the plan here as well. Okay, and if I understand correctly, then these leases that you buy, they are already proven uh, leases uh, that, that have proven cases, oil in them, correct? Or are you just out exploring, hoping to find some? It's not exploration because it is what you call an unconventional play. Um, it's a blanket formation, so the expectation of hitting oil is very high. Your risk in, in formations like the Bakken or the Three Forks in North Dakota becomes mechanical. But to be able to call something proven, it has to have a well in the specific drilling unit. So to try to keep it simple, a, a standard horizontal well in North Dakota is 10,000 feet lateral. So in order to have a space big enough to drill that type of well, you have to take two 640-acre sections of land and put those together. That's why we call them 1280s. A 1,280-acre drilling unit is two square miles. We drill from one end to the other. But inside that 1280, you can drill a large number of wells. You can drill up to eight Bakken wells in some cases and quite a few Three Forks wells. If there's not a well in it yet, it's not technically proven, but you have a lot of well control around you in most cases, so it would be considered something like probable, possible. But once a well is in it, then it is proven, and we do buy acreage oftentimes with existing production. Um, we bought a property uh, back in January that had 14 existing wells on it. All the acreage was proven. This is whiting-operated property. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. It really depends on us, what's around it. If we buy leases that are not currently uh, producing or don't currently have producing wells on them, we kind of try to time those out to see what's the likelihood that a well is going to be drilled here, or we really like to look for stuff that has an active AFE on it that's actually in the process of, of beginning the drilling process. So to answer your question, um, do we only buy proven stuff, that's, that's no, but... We look for both proven and probable reserves up here. Okay, so when an investor invests with you and you go out and, and buy this acreage and do different things, um, how do they benefit from that? Um, do, are they in a pool and everybody receives uh, the same percentage that they invested into that pool? Or are That's they uh, invested correct. in one particular acreage property and you have several of those properties? Uh, how, how do they benefit here? That, that's a good question, and, and you're right. Um, it's a pool. And so, for example, our current fund, we have an interest in over 30,000 acres up here, and we've got 27 producing wells, quite a few more permitted. But if you came in and invested today, 
you would actually receive a proportionate share of the, the already existing cash flow and the already existing asset value. Now, some people ask, why would your current investors want to share that? Because the new capital allows the continued development of the property. And so the, the goal with this at the end of the day is to prove up the entire acreage position. And once everything's proven, then we can market it for sale as a held by production proven asset, which generally is going to you know, have the ability to return you a lot more um, on your investment than just owning a well or two. And so, but the answer is yes, it's a pool. Everybody shares proportionate to what they own. So it's kind of a nice thing. If, if you didn't get in early, you can come in now. You see uh, this, this fund already has existing production. I'm getting my first distribution within 60 to 90 days. I'm taking part of the tax benefits that are associated with the development this year, and my funds are going to help contribute to the further development of the leasehold. Okay. And, and tell us, what are the benefits to the investor of investing like this? Are there tax benefits? Is it strictly the cash flow? Is there potential equity in, in increase here? Can you sell these at some point and make money, like in real estate or something? What are the benefits to the investor? Um, cash flow, number one, um, I, I would say all the above, what you mentioned. But cash flow is a big thing. Um, investors in oil and gas like to get that monthly revenue or what they like to call mailbox money. <laughs> Um, tax benefits are also another big plus. This is one of the, the few investments out there that could be considered a, a tax shelter, if you will. Um, IDC, or intangible drilling cost, is the big tax deduction that oil investors get. And so when you drill a new well, um, a good portion of the funds used for that is on unrecoverable um, things like drilling fuel or labor or what we call drilling mud, which is lubricant. Um, and those types of things are deductible in year one. So typically, you know, 75 to 85 percent of the cost of a well is is unrecoverable and therefore deductible in year one. The, the remaining portion is going to, you know, your equipment, your tanks, and so forth. And so, investors like that deduction because it actually reduces your investment base. So if you go invest in a, a, a oil well, uh, for example's sake, and you put a hundred thousand in it, and you get a $75,000 tax deduction in year one. It actually reduces your, your out-of-pocket investment. You're getting, on average, about you know, 20 to 30% of your capital back through that tax deduction in year one. Um, so that's attractive for folks. Um, our funds also take that a step further. One of, as I mentioned, our main goal here, besides the, the cash flow and the tax benefit, is to create a, a proven asset. So we don't want our investors relying on just cash flow from a well or two and just a tax benefit to make up their return. We want it to be similar to a real estate project where I'm making cash flow, but my property has a value. The only way you can do that in oil and gas is if the investment company is actually conveying the acreage to you. Now, that's a rare thing, at least from what I can see. Um, so our investors have that benefit. Um, they own the acreage directly, and so any value or proven reserves associated with that acreage position makes up an asset value that at the end of the day, the goal is within a five- to seven-year period from the start of the fund is to package this, these properties up. Here's our cash flow. Here's our proven reserve value. Here's our acreage position and market that for sale, just as you would a cash-flowing real estate property. Yeah, but our, our, isn't oil a depleting asset? So isn't the value of those wells de, you know, decreasing every day? Absolutely. So you're producing wells are what we call PDP reserves. Those are depleting 
reserve numbers. And so you kind of have to make those calculations at the time of the purchase to say, here's what the remaining recovery is expected to be. Now, the undrilled locations, those proven reserves are not considered depleting at that time until they're actually tapped. And so a buyer will come in and look at that and go, here's how many acres you have. Based on the PDP reserves, we'll pay you um, X number for net flowing barrel. Today in the Bakken, you're probably looking at 50000 per net flowing barrel due to the oil prices. Um, you're going to pay a, a price per held by production acre. And then you're going to look at the number of undrilled locations and what the likely proven reserve value, and you're going to pay based on that kind of matrix. Okay, well, if your proven reserve value on this acreage is $150 million net to your interest, we may pay you 30 cents or 40 cents on the dollar for that. So that, that gives them upside to come in and drill it. But in the meantime, they don't have to because the wells that you've drilled to date, although depleting, generate a revenue stream and hold the leases. That's a, that's a big deal because now they don't have to worry about renewals and paying additional costs for lease bonuses. Okay. So, now, Ryan, the, the, the big elephant in the room in this whole conversation obviously is that a year ago, oil was priced at over $100 a barrel. Today it's right. under, just under $50 a barrel, and we all know that it could go down to 30 or so dollars a barrel. What is your break-even point, and can you make a profit at $50 a barrel? It depends on where you're at, frankly. I mean, it depends on the, the geologic location. So certain wells in North Dakota are absolutely uneconomic right now at these prices, but that's where we come in for you as an investor is to prospect select in the right way. And so, for example, the, the most recent purchase we had, the, the expected recovery there on a per well basis is about 750 to 800,000 barrels of oil. Even down to $40 oil price, those wells remain highly economic. Now, if you're in an area where the well may only be capable of producing 350,000 uh, barrels of oil, that's not going to be economic. The one thing I'd say our fund, it, it, it's a little bit flexible in that. And so right now our strategy, of course, $50 oil is not exciting um, to us, but it does open up a lot of buying opportunities. So what we're seeing is there was a large number of companies that had gone into the shale place and used financing or leverage to purchase their acreage and do their development. Now, these guys are in trouble right now, actually due to oil prices. And so we're seeing a lot of properties come available in core areas. And so what we're trying to determine is what we think the bottom is. Is it 40? Is it 30? And so at those points are when we want to buy because then as time progresses over the next few years, eventually this thing will turn, um, in our opinion, and prices will start to recover, and we would have picked up acreage positions for pennies on the dollar. Now, what, what's advantageous to us is if we're sitting here with a fund that has capital to spend, and, and we take no debt, everything we do is 100% cash, so that allows us to weather these storms, uh, so to speak. We don't get hamstrung with banks and so forth. So when you buy a producing property, like say, hey, we wait for bottom, we believe now is bottom, and we go buy a group of producing wells, you don't do it based on previous oil prices. The seller has to sell it to you based on today's price. So I'll go in and, and look at a property and say, well, look, with the acreage and everything you have, you have some proven reserves, but we'll give you um, three to four years of existing cash flow based on that property now. And so that, that would yield us anywhere from 24 to 30% cash flow initially on that property purchase. So if oil's $30 and, and you you offer your price based on that $30, you can still see a healthy rate of return. Now, if prices recover over the next few years, 
then you're in good shape to take advantage of that. And really what you did was picked up a, a proven reserve for pennies on the dollar. And that's yeah, what our strategy you, you, is You're now. saying what everybody in our industry with uh, publicly traded securities is they say, hey, when the stock market goes down, that's the time to buy. Uh, that's not that's the time absolutely to sell. Right. So, so you're so, saying so the very people. same thing here. Hey, oil at some point in the future is probably going to go up. So we're buying today. Uh, with the expectation of $100 oil in the future, or at least higher than what it is today. That's absolutely correct. I mean, I think you, you have to be flexible, and that's where um, our strategy is advantageous. So if you if you get locked into maybe one or two wells, and you did that with an assumption that oil was going to be $80, um, then your cash flow could be damaged. Um, but if you're flexible enough inside a fund to, hey, well, now we can switch gears a little bit and look for some, some opportunistic buying situations like, like now, um, and that's really where we're at. We're just kind of holding pat where we want to see um, where the prices go and what we think the outlook is. I mean, there's been a lot of things in terms yeah, of Yeah, Ryan, we, we need to, to cut right now and take a break here. Uh, okay. We'll be right back. We're talking with Ryan Wright. CEO of Fig Tree Capital Ventures just outside of uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. We're talking with Ryan Wright, CEO of Fig Tree Capital Ventures out of uh, north of Dallas, Texas. And uh, Ryan, uh, let, let me see if I understand correctly what you have told us and make sure that for our listeners we can get a good summary of, of what we've heard here. When someone invests with you guys, okay, the first thing they get, or whatever their investment is, let's just say it's $100,000, they get a tax deduction for the current year of approximately 70 to 75%. Now, that's a deduction. That's not a tax credit, but it's a federal tax deduction, correct? That's correct, and that's uh, based on the intangible drilling cost of the wells. Now, with our fund, being that it's a large number of wells, you may end up taking your tax deductions over the first few years, depending on when you come in the fund. If you came in January 1st, you're going to get a whole year's worth of development and tax deductions, so you may get the majority of that that year um, because it's prorated out throughout the year. If you came in in November, you're going to have some of that for, for the current year, and then the remainder will carry forward to the next year as we continue to do development. But oh, if you were to drill okay. one well this year, then yes, you're looking at 75 to 85%, but... Um, our focus right now is our, our funds. So I see. So l- l- let's just say over a couple of years, you can count on a, a 70 75% tax deduction from your federal taxes, Not probably not state, but federal taxes. In addition to that, 
then there is cash flow that is generated that goes back to the investor uh, that is generated from the production of the oil uh, on these properties that uh, you guys have purchased, correct? That's correct. Okay. And w- without giving us any, any any specific amount or anything, what, 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 what's an amount that, uh, what's a range that a, an investor could expect to receive from these kinds of projects? I mean, it varies, obviously, depending on the success of the uh, wells themselves. But we've had projects do payouts in less than a year. We've had projects that have not um, had any payout. But I think if you looked at our history as a whole and looked at um, every project we've done, if you had bought a consistent position in each project, your your average annual cash flow before tax benefits would be right now just under 20%. I'd say about 19% uh, would be the average cash flow per year. Um, and, and are there tax current. benefits to that cash flow? On the cash flow side, yes, there's tax benefits. You get depletion allowances and depreciation. Um, depletion is, uh, how do I explain it? So because it's a depleting asset, um, as you recover barrels from the ground, you're able to deduct portions of that against your cash flow. I generally say about 15% of your gross profit is tax deductible. And that's one of the things that attracts investors to oil and gas because even once you get to a zero basis, and say you've written off your entire investment through intangible drilling costs and, and depreciation, you continue to get that 15% depletion allowance as you go. So that's an attractive thing. Okay. And then the third potential benefit for investors is that there's potential equity increase in the value of the properties that you have purchased. If you do it the right way, yes. If you if well, you're buying with, with your projects, with your projects, absolutely. That's the primary okay. goal. We want to create cash flow to start the recovery process, and we want you guys to get tax benefits. But primarily, what we're trying to do is build a a proven reserve asset that has a value that, at the end of the day, we can sell and and see good returns on and good capital gains. Okay. Tell us, Ryan, in terms of building your business, uh, as you started here in 2008, what keeps you awake at night? I think uncertainty with oil prices has kept me awake a little bit, and I, you know, I try to look at the fundamentals, and I don't try to get too caught up in uh, in the hype. And fundamentally, there's been things that have taken place that one would think would start to raise oil prices, um, but there's been a few things that we we underestimated. Demand has risen for us. We've seen a about a 1.6 million barrel increase in demand. Um, spending on new oil has fallen dramatically. Um, you would think that would curb um, some volumes and production numbers. Um, but the supply has continued to increase. And there was quite a few wells, even now, as prices are dropping, that are yet to be brought into production. So I think we're looking at several years before we're out of the woods there. So I think the main thing that keeps me up, and I guess as any you know manager of other other folks' finances, is I really spend a lot of time trying to think outside the box and to try to be flexible in certain market conditions because really it doesn't matter what sector you're in, oil and gas, real estate, there's a lot of things that can happen, and you have to set your projects up to be flexible um, to be able to take different directions if need be. And that's that's one of the reasons we designed the fund this way, so we're not hemmed into any one strategy. If the market changes, we can change our strategy with it. So I think those are the things that, that keep me up, is just how do we stay on top of the market conditions? 
I, I can appreciate that. Uh, tell us, Ryan, what's the minimum investment for an investor to be able to participate in your uh, pool program? Well, uh, all investors with us have to be defined as accredited investors, and that's defined as an individual with a net worth over a million dollars, excluding you know home, personal residence, personal property, etc., or an individual with an income of two hundred thousand, or a husband and, and wife with an income of three hundred thousand, with the expectation to continue to do that. Um, our projects minimum investments range from twenty-five to a hundred thousand, um, depending on what type of project it is. The, the drilling and acquisition fund, the unit sizes are a hundred thousand. The minimum is twenty-five on that. Okay, thank you. Okay, and tell us what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners here, Ryan? Uh, there's quite a few. Um, Oil 101 is a good one, and that's Morgan Downey wrote that, and that's that's a pretty well-reviewed book, and kind of just gives you the basics. Um, we like the Frackers. That's a one we recently read. Um, that's by Gregory Zuckerman. Um, there's another one I would say to look at: the Prize, the Epic Quest for Oil, Money, and Power. is kind of an interesting read. That's by Daniel Jurgen. Uh, so th- those are three I'd start with. But Oil 101 is a pretty neat book for folks who are just trying to understand the business and then if you're wanting to look into you know how the show revolution has progressed and what 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 happened what caused it then the frackers or the boom or um any of those types of books will will kind of give you some insight into that okay well ryan we we appreciate that and certainly those are books that no one else has recommended so far so we're glad we're, we're getting some variety here. So give us your website and give a direction on how people can get more information about uh, Fig Tree Capital Ventures. Uh, they can look at uh, www.figtreecapitalventures.com or just simply go to figcv.com. Um, they can email us at invest at figtreecv.com. Or give us a call at 866-894-7309. We'd love to speak with you guys and see if this is a fit for you. Okay, thank you very much. So what final words do you have for our listeners here, Ryan, about uh, Fig Tree Capital and the potential investment opportunities with you? I think my advice to your listeners would be, you know, don't jump into anything too quickly. Do your homework. Um, and if you have questions on how to perform due diligence and what kind of things you should see as an investor, what type of documentation and, and things you should see, give us a call. We can give you a checklist on, on things to ask for. And that's some of the things we talked about at some of our recent conferences. And um, that's some of the things we mentioned. You should be able to see copies of leases. You should be able to see the actual invoices and bills, the joint interest billing statements from your wells. You should be able to see these things. You should know exactly what the cost of the development is so you know whether you're paying the right price. So I think my advice is oil and gas can be good even in this even in this current environment it can be good if you're doing the right things but you just have to be very uh, careful and selective in who you choose to participate with. Well Ryan those are certainly sage words of advice for uh, any investor in, in any kind of investment but I think especially in uh, oil and gas it uh, certainly offers uh, potentially significant tax and, other, and, and income and other benefits to uh, investors, 
But again, everybody needs to be doing their homework and figuring things out and only applying a, a very specific portion of their portfolio to that. So, Ryan, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, this has been very interesting. And uh, our best wishes to you and all of Fig Tree Capital Ventures and uh, what you guys do here. We've been talking with Ryan Wright, CEO of Fig Tree Capital Ventures out of north of Dallas, uh, Texas. And you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. Contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of any of our shows and interviews, strategicinvestorradio.com. We wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.